The following is a fourth-hand production. Grigory Rasputin was one of the most vile yet powerful villains in history. He was a giant both metaphorically and literally, measuring in at nearly seven feet tall and had a penis that would make most horses green with envy. He controlled magical powers of the dark arts, likely supplied by the devil himself. He also was the prominent force behind the start of World War I. He was so powerful that after being poisoned, shot, stabbed, shot again, beaten, and thrown into a river, he was not yet dead. Or, Grigory Rasputin was a short, drunk womanizer that constantly stuck. Yet somehow, he wormed his way into the royal court of Nicholas II, the last czar of Russia. His only concern was staying beloved by the royals as to maintain his drunken and pernicious lifestyle. He had no political aspirations and just promoted friends who would speak kindly of him. Any quote-unquote magic or paranormal ability he showed was a mixture of good old-fashioned quackery and psychosomatic results, amplified by legend and time. Which is true. Could both be legitimate accounts of one of the most notorious names in Russian history. We grab our ruler and head to 19th century Russia next, on Hysteria 51. They say... I'm disturbed. From city to city, an incredible hysterical panic spread. I think we're getting into a weird area here. Will you tell these fools I'm not crazy? This hysteria. You can't handle the truth. Brain is gone. This is Hysteria 51. The truth is out there. It's a lie. But you won't find it here. They're coming for you. Look, there comes one of them now. Well, well, Kyle. well, welcome in Hysteria Kyle. Nation. Kyle, that's my line. Cheese, 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 cheese muffins. I leaves for a few weeks anyway. Welcome in Hysteria Nation to the podcast that doesn't always talk about late 19th century Russian historical figures, but when we do, you better believe they have their own theme song. This is Hysteria 51. Broadcasting from the lower fourth dimension, otherwise known as Chicago, I'm your host, John Goforth, and sitting across from me is the Tolstoy to my Chekhov, Mr. Brent Hand. Star Trek? No, early 20th century Russian literature. I knew that, and my God, you are boring. (laughs) Anyway, John, the listeners might notice we sound... A little under the weather this week. That's right. You can probably hear it in my voice, too. Uh, we, we both got sick around the same time last week, and and I got to tell you, Brent, I suspect foul play. One can hope. That other voice you're hearing is the third host of this show and the only robot out there that can claim as much pending litigation as he can pending Facebook friend requests. His name is Conspiracy Bot. Seabot <laughs> is a drunk, angry robot bent on world domination. He's also our head researcher when he actually researches. Which is not often. But let's get back to you two being sick. This is a subject I could talk about all day. Yeah, and it all started the day after we went out for the national Ditch Your New Year's Resolution Day. I didn't know you guys went out. Toasting your week will that you gave up on eating better or not drinking or something. Now, we had resolved to hang out with you more. Gave that shit up pretty quick, though. That's that's very true. <laughs> um, and, and we toasted that night with some whiskey I brought back from my travels. Uh, it, it was really good. It was strong. Uh, it was kind of odd. It was green. Uh, <laughs> I just was, figured it was absinthian whiskey. <laughs> yeah, it, it was close. It was called uh, Aldebaran whiskey. Aldebaran whiskey. And, uh, and I got it from a lady who looked suspiciously like Whoopi Goldberg. Uh, anyway, anyway, uh, <laughs> we we drank some of it, and uh, but we didn't have much. We we got went home pretty early. We called it a night. Right. Well, we had to record early in the next morning, so we made it an early night. We both showed up to the studio the next morning. We could barely speak. John was actually speaking to Greedy Rippin' Green, and I I barely left the bathroom. <laughs> it's true. You know, now that I think about it, John, though, I wonder if it was the whiskey. Was it now um, Alderion whiskey? <laughs> It was John, it was John, John, did it cheese muffins, John? Oh, shut up, Kyle. Uh, yeah, man, it, I guess it, it could have been the, the whiskey, uh, but it was not Alderon. Aldebron. Anyway, I, I, there listen. Were chunks floating in it. <laughs> Planetoids. Uh, but, I mean, at the end of the day, I suppose anything's possible. So it looks like you'll both live. Yeah, not feeling 100%, but yeah, I, I think we'll be fine. That's too bad. Uh, thanks for your, your concern, Seabot. No kidding, but, right? But the point is, we're playing hurt, Brent. Right, right. Uh, and let's 
let's tell you what we're gonna, we're going to play along here. Like you said, let's get into tonight's show and the topic because it's a doozy. Tonight we're talking about the Mad Monk himself. Insert name, and we're going to get letters, but you can say it a couple names. Uh, I like to call him Grigory Rasputin. A lot of people say Rasputin. A lot of people say... Uh, well, a lot of people are wrong. Maxwell Silverstein. I don't think people call him that. Yeah, I think you just made that one up. Yeah, probably. Grigory Rasputin. And as yeah, we... We're going to go with Grigory Rasputin. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think so. And as we dive into this fairly complicated and really uh, bizarre story, uh, we're going to split it into two bizarre. parts. Bizarre. <laughs> bizarre. Sorry. Oh, boy. The T's silent. Uh, I think we're going to split it into two parts, Brent. This week and next week. Part one will be this episode where we... We'll talk more about his rise to power from a Siberian peasant to arguably the, the most powerful man in pre-revolution Russia. Yeah, part two, his penis. Well, that'll be a part of it. <laughs> a, a part. Uh, and, but in part one, we're also going to answer two very important questions. Was there real magic involved with well, Grigori? He had that magic wand. Oh, boy. <laughs> and can having sex truly save your soul? Was this guy just Aleister Crowley's pen pal? Or something like that, you know, or 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 maybe like a Jack Parsons wannabe best friend type uh, thing di- going on. The difference is that Grigori um, could shoot rockets with his mind. Oh, I, I thought you were going to go with his giant lap rocket. That's actually nowhere in the literature, but I'm going to I'm going to assume it's true. <laughs> Magic missile. Magic <laughs> missile. And then, Brent, I think in part two, we'll focus on the much debated, the truly bizarre assassination of Rasputin. I mean, this is this is what he's really known for. No one even agrees on, well, any part of it. It's funny because... Well, they agree that he's dead. Well, they do that, and when you go to places, they don't even agree on, like, how many times he was shot, when he actually died. It's hilarious. Yeah. And I mean, was he... To research a little bit. The question is, was he... Was he virtually indestructible, uh, like he had superpowers, or did he die like a lecherous dog... And the, the all those infamous details we're kind of talking about right here are no more than, you know, postmortem embellishments uh, to heighten the suspense. I've always wanted to call someone a lecherous dog, and I'm a little bit sad that you stole my thunder there. <laughs> <laughs> Got to take that one off of the all bucket. Right, Got to yeah. take that one off the bucket list. So with all that said, let's get to it. Rasputin. Now that's Rasputin to, uh, to you and I. Grigory Yefimovich. Yefimovich is, uh, that's a hard, yeah. I think you said it right. Uh, maybe, maybe not, that but that's one, his middle name. That one didn't catch on. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, that's it. That, so Grigory Yefimovich Rasputin. He was born January 21st, Brent, of 1869. The year of our Lord, 1869. Of course he was born in the year 69. He was, hey. It reminds me of uh, of uh, the jerk. He, you know, he, he was born to a peasant family in a small village in Siberia. <laughs> that's not how it starts, but it's close. Yeah. How far are you going? By the end of this fence line. <laughs> Can I get a ride? Get in. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, 1869 is uh, what a wonderful time to live in Siberia. I got to think it was just mm, wonderful. It was, especially in the village of Pokrovskoy in the Tobolsk governorate. Wait, what? Uh, huh? <laughs> Someone actually paid attention? Don't look at me like that. I know my hero's origin stories. <laughs> that checks out. Right. So anyway, yeah, he was born in that village in Siberia. And according to legend, and that's going to be something that we're going to say a lot, I feel. It's true. Uh, about him. Uh, a fiery meteor lit up the sky that evening, uh, the evening of his birth. All but foretelling the future of this infamous life. And that was when he entered the world via meteor, comet, or alien spaceship i don't i i don't think anyone's inferring that uh i'm someone you and i just did you just did okay fair enough <laughs> now some historical accounts say the name itself their, their uh, you know their surname rasputin was given to the family to indicate they were a bunch of degenerates uh due to its similarity to the russian word for debauchery which is raspustov that is a fun word Ah, uh, you rasputin stuff. But more likely, it was just the word for crossroads, rasputé. Oh, so he took his guitar and headed down to the crossroads and made a deal with the devil. That's right. That's right. It all yeah, checks out. Yeah. That or he starred in a movie with Britney Spears, <laughs> depending on which crossroads you, you like the Have most. Have you seen that movie? 
I've seen both those movies. What both? The first Crossroads. Oh, oh, about the guitar. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much, Karate Kid. He he played the the guitar player in that one. In the original Crossroads. Oh, there. The, this is about Jack Johnson, right? Yep. Well, it, so in the original Crossroads, Jack Johnson's harmonica player had also sold a soul and he was trying to get his soul back and so he teams up with a spunky young guitar player played by uh what's his name what's the credit ralph name? macchio ralph macchio okay so i was thinking of the netflix yeah, the, uh thing that was more recent that oh the crossroads where they'd like get together and play two different kinds of shows. no 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 ne- there was a documentary about jack johnson mm. and it was c- called crossroads something yeah, there. yeah. i mean you, you have to the right? song you know the, yeah, yeah exactly just kidding on the Rasputin. This is the Jack <laughs> Jackson hour. Going down to the grassroots. Yeah. <laughs> Either way, though, no matter uh, no matter if it was based on the family being debaucherous, mm-hmm. if it was based on the word crossroads, or if it was based on Jack Johnson, no matter what, not a ton is known about his early life and childhood. Yeah, there's this historian cat named Douglas Smith, and he says that in Rasputin's youth and early adulthood, those stories are a black hole about which we know almost nothing, which doesn't surprise me considering Siberia in the 1870s when he was growing up probably didn't do a lot of historical record keeping. Record keeping. Exactly. And those like this in this story are where so much of this legend is going to come from. Things like him being a horse thief and bearing false witness are rumors that have no factual backup in reality, but when you read the stories, they're going to tell you that he was a thief and this horrible religious degenerate, <laughs> Rasputin, whatever that word was. I can't pronounce my backward P's today. Facts just get in the way in this story, so I say forget them. Well, that's what a lot of people seem to do when you, when you look into this story. However, Brent, historians do agree on one thing. Like most Siberian peasants, Rasputin was never formally educated, so he was most likely illiterate well into his uh, early adulthood. Yeah, yeah. That was still the time when you had that one guy that knew how to read. Yeah. So you brought him the, the letter. one guy in the town. Yeah, exactly. So you brought him the letter. That's and- true. I mean, back, uh, uh, I mean, for years during, especially during the Dark Ages, the uh, the priest or the whoever the the religious person. Well, I understand of the, of why you the- couldn't read in the Dark Ages. No one could fucking see anything. Oh, but- put bum <laughs> Tip your waitress. Um, But you know, whoever the religious figure in town was was generally the one who could read. Um, Yeah. yeah. Although, you know, it's funny. Late nineteenth, early twentieth century Russia is very much like Europe in the sixteen (laughs) hundreds. You're right. It is funny. (laughs) No, I'm sorry. I don't know why. (laughs) Uh, I'm going. I'm going back to Russia. no, you know, most of the world had given up on serfdom yeah. uh, in like oh, the late 1800s. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's right around when Russia said, hey, the serfdom thing, I think it's catching on. Let's try it. You know what? I think we're going to give it a shot. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, believe it or not, there are a few local records from Siberia at the time, and they do suggest that he had, at bare minimum, had a bit of a misspent youth, um, possibly involving drinking, small thefts, and and. And certainly disrespect for local authorities. Right. Your normal childhood stuff, I would assume. He should have just started a punk band. That would have made a lot more sense. It's true. And he probably would have been uh, not as forgotten to the ages. You know, more people would know him. We'd be singing his 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 songs now. I don't know what Well, we, d- we did have the one song that we listened to earlier. That's true. Yeah. That is true. Although he didn't. He might have penned it. We don't know that. He could have done that from the grave. True. And also, and here's the fun stuff. There are reports of him displaying magical powers when he was young. Yeah, as a child, he uh, he disturbed his parents and neighbors with his, quote, divine abilities. Now the according, na- again, this is according to legend. Now, the neighbors would come to his parents and say, what the fuck with your kid? And they go, listen, he has an indigo aura, and you need to just respect him. You don't understand. He's <laughs> he, an indigo child. He was the original indigo child? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. He is claimed to have been able to heal horses simply through touch, and he could walk on water when it was frozen. So that's <laughs> fun. And I feel like you added that second one in. But the one that truly amazes Sammy was when he could seemingly detach a finger, slide it down an adjoining finger, then reattach it. And this was followed by an ancient Russian chant of, ta-da! See, you almost had me going there for a second. You, al- you almost <laughs> did. 
<laughs> the whole time the horse he he healed when he was doing his tricks was going dun dun. No, no, no. It was up on two legs and it was singing. Hello, my baby. Hello, my honey. Hello, my ragtime gal. That's right. But no one ever saw it other than him. It was the weirdest thing. But there are. The part of that that's true, or uh, I shouldn't say the part of that that's true, the part of that that's actually recorded by other people other than Brent is that he allegedly did have divine powers as a child yeah, and, and the horse, horses. The, yeah. the horse healing. Yeah, uh, yeah that, that is true. And then 1886, he traveled to Abalak, Russia. I'm just going to let you Abalak. take all of the Russian words from here. Yeah. On. I love how we write them down and then the, I'm just like, I'll, I'll, everyone loves my pronunciations. I'll, write it down. I do all this from memory. Yeah. <laughs> and I met a peasant girl named. <laughs> Uh, Proskoiva, Proskoiva, Dubrovina, Dubrovina, and after dating for a while, they actually got married in February of 1887. It was a beautiful ceremony. You weren't there. No, he wasn't. You, you, you've got to stop this. Anyway, uh, an important note here to keep in mind, Brent, is, is about Rasputin and really his entire family is that his wife, the, throughout the entirety of all of this story, yeah. he was, he was married. Okay. Mm-hmm. He stayed married. To his wife that we just mentioned, uh, Praskovia, and uh, and and the, and she stayed in that hometown that Sibat pronounced for us earlier, throughout Rasputin's later travels and rise to prominence. And she remained devoted to him until his death. The couple had seven children; um, only three survived to adulthood. What's the old meatloaf song? Siberian kids died early. That we all knew. Now don't be sad, cause three out of seven ain't bad. <laughs> I can't decide if I'm horrified by that or someone impressed by your, your well, your meatloaf reference for first off. I celebrate his entire catalog. Also, I produced Bat Out of Hell. No, you no, you didn't. Anyway, back to Rasputin. I am the thing he won't do. <laughs> that was actually Bat Out of Hell too, idiot. <laughs> Can't believe I just corrected Seabot on a meatloaf catalog. Anyway, uh, back to Rasputin. For one reason or another, lots of different opinions on this. For one reason or another, in 1897, he developed a zealot-like interest in religion. Yeah. Uh, he decided to leave his hometown and go on a pilgrimage. Now, this is so much like so many of the people that we've studied and talked about in the past who just get into religion and then, boom, they don't just get into it and be like, I'm going to go to church three times a week they devote their life and many times many other people's lives to their zealot like approach to said religion uh, the soup du jour because it's not always christianity or anything it might be their own you know temple of the the <laughs> dog uh, <laughs> you know the the aliens and stuff like that yeah i'm hungry yeah. Yeah. uh it was kind of weird timing though wise because he'd been married at this point for a decade. Yeah, yeah. He pumped out a bunch of kids, and he's just like, I'm... One day, I just started running, and he just took off. <laughs> After t- 10 years of marriage, he leaves to find himself, I guess. Although, at this point, that could have been middle age in... Right. <laughs> in early, he wakes up one early morning, he's like, Siberia. Yeah, he's like, well, you're... <laughs> You're nine, so you're getting up there. <laughs> He's like deuces. I'm out. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that math checks out. Yeah, but I wouldn't worry about it. Um, so he leaves his family and he travels to. Uh, this is also a point of contention, but most people agree to Greece in the Middle East. He makes several pilgrimages to the Holy Land, uh, and even winds up eating at Pizza Hut right by the pyramids on several occasions. I've seen the photos. That looks just delightful. <laughs> you know, there's Greece in the Middle East, but there's rain in Spain. Okay. Uh, but this wasn't the first time he had wandered off in search of faith. In fact, before he met his wife, he had joined a monastery uh, and, and and had plans on becoming an actual monk. Well, I tell you what, he took his <laughs> he took his dressing habits from there because he wore black robes for pretty much every sketch photo picture. There are some where he's wearing suits, but when you think of him, you think of him in those monk-like robes. That's true. That's true. He left less than a year into his stay. He never graduated from monk school or whatever they call it. Um, he admonished the monks for their homosexual behavior, quote unquote. He is quoted as saying, my crank is only for hot skank. Amen. He's not quoted as saying that. I don't even know what to say. Back See, to he's that. taking his cues from you. That's the kind of thing you would say. <laughs> I don't call my junk a, a crank. It's I, my love pump. Okay, I'm done. 
All right, here, here's an actual truth. Uh, this is likely where the, the term mad monk comes from, right. even though he never actually became a monk. It's also worth noting that he admonished them for their alleged homosexual behavior here. Later in our story, and we'll mention this, he actually becomes a friend of the homosexual community yeah. um, and, and you know, um, helps them out, d- does various things. So there are things that are talking about the homosexual thing with the monks, and now this might have been... With- kind of ties into the things that we're seeing now was it wasn't always consensual is what I was read or that was the oh. thought process. And that could be conjecture too, because at that point in time, I don't know if that would even have bothered him. But it's also, it also illustrates kind of a, a change in Rasputin later in life. He becomes very liberal, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas early in his ze- zealotry, yeah. If that's a word, is it a word? I don't know. Early now. in his zealotry, he uh, he was certainly more media. more judgmental and conservative. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, it, these random wanderings that we're talking about, this is another time for Rasputin in his life that is somewhat up for debate. It's yeah, also yeah. thought that somewhere along the way, he joined this oh-so-fun religious uh, sect, I think you could call it, of the Kalisti, not... Not not to be confused with Game of Thrones, right? Not a Khaleesi. Maybe they maybe they borrowed from there. Yeah, but the Khaleesi. I really uh, now this is a religious sect that is right up his alley because they had rituals which are rumored to include self-flagellation and sexual orgy. So you're beating yourself with reeds while banging someone. And I gotta tell you, I don't know that you had to do it at the same time. You don't have to. <laughs> you, you you beat yourself and you throw a sex party. That way, when God goes to forgive you. You've done something worth forgiving. That was their thought process. You got to earn it. Like he, you know, he doesn't. Yeah, I think the, uh, yeah. the quote was sin in order that you may obtain forgiveness. Right. Like you don't want to live this live this perfect life because then you've wasted God's forgiveness was their thought process. Well, it's like, you know, getting forgiven is kind of like, you know, clearing your carburetor. You can't you, you need to clear it all the way out, you know, so you got to get it all the way full and then clear it all the way out. I'm not a car guy, but I think that works. <laughs> Many historians dispute, though, uh, that he was ever an official member, but his own daughter later wrote that he at least looked into it and adopted many other principles. Right. We don't know if he was officially in the Kalisti, but he uh, he certainly was a fan. Yeah, exactly. He celebrated at least a couple of the, maybe the orgy aspect of it. Uh, we do know he finally made his way to St. Petersburg in 1903, and that's... Kind of where the story begins. The 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 documented, heavier documentation of story. Now, a lot of that's for conjecture and legend as well, but this is where he comes to prominence in, in and the world. And there's also a lot more, um, there are a lot more records of what right. happened in St. Petersburg, because uh, it was it was obviously the capital and, you know, and, and where the, the monarchy uh sat so that there's just a lot more record keeping right and that's where the real fun begins so to recap to date rasputin has a wife and a bunch of kids back home in siberia he's almost become a monk he convinces women that the only way to atone for their sins is to have sex with him and yet somehow he has established a reputation of being a mystic and a faith healer that's right and he has a magnum dong <sighs> i mean even his daughter said so sadly that's the truth <laughs> all right let's go to break when we come back Rasputin goes from being a wandering sex machine to a stable in the royal court of Russia. I hope to God I do something in my life that gets me the moniker of wandering sex machine. (laughs) But uh, so he's in the court of Russia and literally heals a sick boy along the way. That's next on Hysteria 51. Hola, David. Me amo Brent. Bonjour, uh, Brent. Je m'appelle David. You didn't do Spanish. I thought if we were going to do this together, we'd do the same language. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that's uh, that's on brand for us. I, that, I I just thought romance languages was yeah. the key. Everything I say is romantic, and that is thanks to Rosetta Stone. <laughs> you guys, we, we've been touting these things forever. We love Rosetta Stone, and we actually are users... David, you've really been using it even for longer than I. What's your experience been like? Oh, it's been great. The thing is, uh, you really get to learn how to speak and think in that language with it. So 
it's very high on pronunciation too. So <laughs> you can, you know, learn how to speak. And you know, our show is all about proper pronunciation. <laughs> In that pronunciation. Yeah, that's right. But it's, it, they design it for long-term retention, you know, it, and yeah. uh, if you don't get the pronunciation right, you, you say it until you do. And then, you know, that, that just seeps into your head. Well, and that's why, you know, this has been trusted by experts for 30 years and, there's over 25 different languages that you can learn and people, millions and millions of users use it because like you said, it does seep in and you're using it with, you know, you get speech recognition and mm-hmm. it, it hears you. You get to use like the built-in true accent features that gives you this pronunciation, which is super convenient and you can do it at your own time. And I don't know if you can know this, but I'm all about value and you get a one-time purchase, 25 languages. If I learned all 25 languages, I'd be so confused. Or really cool. <laughs> I have to go in and out. But you'd be real marketable. But literally, though, this is something that we use, and we have both of us have given the seal of approval because we want to do this long term, and uh, it's something that uh, it works, you know. And we don't yeah. we don't do long term um, stuff like this, and this is this is the one that we've chosen, and we love it. So, all you guys got to do don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now, as we've told you a thousand times, and it's always now, right now. Get now. started. For Larry, limited time, his Air 51 listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. How much? 50%. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your unnatural life. Wow. Redeem, redeem, redeem. How do they do it? Rashate, you're oh. 50% off. <laughs> Rashate. <laughs> redeem it. 50% off rosettastone.com slash today. Do it today. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when Brent and I heard that for a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, we thought, man, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. Brent is trying to plan right now and says that it works like a charm from Chicago to Nashville as he makes his big old move. Mint Mobile is working for him. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. And you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. So ditch the overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash hysteria. That's mintmobile, M-I-N-T-M-O-B-I-L-E dot com slash hysteria, H-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash hysteria. $45 upfront payment required. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. My mom says my dad's a real wandering sex machine. <laughs> Not the Puma. Do you see they're coming out with Kindergarten Cop 2 with Dolph Lundgren? With Dolph Lundgren. And, I and did. actually, don't forget Bill Bellamy. Well, what else is Bill Bellamy doing? Not much. Not him, much and, at all. him and Dan Cortez hang out a lot. <laughs> Probably true. <laughs> I uh, And Eric Nice. I was uh, went to went I think, to see I think we're dating ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> I did that once and fell off the couch. Um, I went to the movies the other day and saw a preview for Bad Boys Three. Um, That's called Bad Boys for Life. Yeah, you actually, you're right. It is. And you know, I, watching the preview, I thought, yeah, this looks like if somebody was trying to make a spoof of what Bad Boys Three would look like, they'd make this preview. <laughs> they even did the same. Same hokey shot of like them standing and looking off in the distance as it pans around them with the sky in the background. Like, oh, shit's got real now. My wife always gets mad at me because if I think there's a panoramic shot, I'll just stand there while she's walking away. She's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know if someone's filming me. I want to make sure if they are, they got that. And they get the good side, right? Yeah. 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 (laughs) All right. So we're back talking Russian 
crazy mad monks. But before the break, we told you that Rasputin had finally made his way to the seat of power in Russia, St. Petersburg. And he rode into town one day and he said, Who wants a mustache ride? I found one. I found one. <laughs> Not exactly, Seabot, but he did have a fairly unprecedented rise to power. Uh, check that. Let's let's call it a, a rise to influence. I think that's the best way to put it, because as we break down the story, you realize that his power was mostly just uh, being accused of having power. Well, yeah. And, and he wasn't actually power hungry. Uh, no, he, he, no. People make him out to this to be this power hungry monster that wanted nothing more than to be in charge and to amass wealth and kill his enemies. He was more like a I don't know an ambitious stoner. Yeah, like guess what? If I hang with these people, they're gonna give me the goody goods, and I can have sex with all of these hot, hot turn of the century Russian ladies. <laughs> Essentially, he wanted enough influence to continue doing the weird shit he liked to do. I totally get that. <laughs> I get that. So when Poot got to St. Petersburg. Uh, Poot? Poot. Yeah, that's <laughs> I've shortened it because I can't keep saying Rasputin and all these other names. So well, I could call him Pootie Tang. <laughs> let's, let's just go ahead and do that. So when Pootie Tang cooled his panties on the run of kind. <laughs> <laughs> so, Death followed him wherever he went. Well, I was saying, like I was saying, when Poot got to St. Petersburg, he was introduced to a number of influential members of the church. And some local church officials, he had met them actually previously through his travels, and they wrote him, get this, a letter of recommendation. It's, how, it's like, yeah, it's how he made his entree into St. Petersburg into the religious community. Quick tidbit. The cover sheet for his letter of recommendation was just a sketch of his left-handed banjo. Wait, what? His pork sword. John Thomas. Third leg. We get it. I think okay, and yeah, enough, enough. So, so he's 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 in Saint Petersburg. He's hob. Okay, enough. <laughs> he's hobnobbing with what seem to be the right people. Hobnobbing. Well, <laughs> call it. It's done. All right. Uh, he's hobnobbing with the right with what seem to be the right people and making a name for himself. Yeah, yeah. And then he eventually meets. Oh, this is their name. The Black Princesses. Yes. They, uh, they too, were mystics and also happened to be married to the Tsar's cousins and were instrumental in introducing Rasputin to the Tsar and his family. And also the hottest metal band in the country at that time. <laughs> <laughs> they opened for Guar. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> uh, where? Down at Gorky Park. <laughs> it's the only Russian band I can think of. What's that I'm hearing? Oh, it's just the winds of change. <laughs> Sorry. So that actually brings us nicely to Rasputin and the Romanovs. Now, we aren't going to go fully Historia 51 on you here, <laughs> but it's worth defining a couple terms. And giving you enough info to be dangerous, John? Is that the yeah, best way to yeah put I it? think so. All right, first. All right, first. If you aren't a big late 19th century, early 20th century Russian history fan. Who isn't? Shut up, Seabot. Anyway, here's a few, let's call them names and facts to know. First, you hear us mention uh, the Tsar a lot. If you're not familiar with that, that's simply the emperor of Russia. Head honcho. Right. Uh, the term is actually derived from the Latin word Caesar. Yep. yep. Um, so, you know, Bob's your uncle. Yeah. Next, the Romanovs. And this is the name of the ruling family in Russia from the early 17th century to the early 20th century. Think about that. Three centuries. Yeah. Entire libraries literally have been written about these folks. Cheese muffins. But uh, to sum it up, here's a blurb from history.com. The Romanov family was the last imperial dynasty to rule Russia. They first came to power in 1613, and over the next three centuries, 18 Romanovs took the Russian throne, including Peter the Great, Catherine the Great, Alexander I, and Nicholas II. During the Russian Revolution of 1917, Bolshevik revolutionaries toppled the monarchy, ending the Romanov dynasty. Tsar Nicholas II and his entire family, including his young children, were later executed by Bolshevik troops. Now, <clears throat> let me stop you there. There is a huge conspiracy with this as well, and it should be probably its own episode, and it will be one day. Um, yeah, the Bolshevik Anastasia and, and the Bolsheviks, and did she die? Right, and, did she even die? Yeah. And there's a lot to unpack with that. What and happened to their bodies? And it has been actually, within the last few years, definitively answered. So that's kind of interesting, and we'll, we'll probably do an, an episode on that. Yeah, yeah, we definitely should. Uh, a few other tidbits to keep in mind about this. The czar in our story, this it's the same czar the whole time, Nicholas II. He also winds up becoming the last czar. 
Uh, he never wanted the job. He was famously quoted as saying he never wanted to rule, end quote. Weird. He told me he loved it. Oh, no, he didn't. Nope. History makes this guy out to be, like, not so bad. Uh, if you watch, right, if you watch movie, right. like a, a tragic figure from a Shakespearean comedy or something like that. But history has a bad memory sometimes. They tend to do that. History tells us he loved the Russian people and he had a sense of duty to the peasantry. Yet, <laughs> on his coronation <laughs> yeah. day... We have the death of so many peasants, the tragedy has its own name. Yeah, the Kodinka tragedy. It was literally, and this is terrifying to think of it, a human stampede that occurred on the Kodinka field in Moscow during the festivities after his coronation. 1,389 people were trampled to death. It's it's horrible. The, the the peasants heard that if you show up for the coronation, you get a bunch of swag, essentially, uh, including a bread roll, a piece of sausage. In, in early 20th century Russia, awesome swag was food. Yeah, yeah, right. A bread roll, a piece of sausage, pretzels, gingerbread, and a commemorative cup. <laughs> it's going to be worth something someday. So... <laughs> At 6 a.m. on Celebration Day, almost a half a million people gathered for their cup and bread. Rumors started flying around that there was not enough beer or pretzels for everybody. I didn't know for sure, so I thought it best to let everyone know. Oh, God. And that the enamel cups actually contained a gold coin. Okay, that I knew wasn't true, but it made for a fun story. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, I hate him so much. And you're going to be shocked by this, Brent. About 1,800 cops were unable to keep the crowd in check. The crowd of, you know, half a million people. Nothing to see here, you lucky loose. And they basically started a stampede. Uh, as you mentioned, 1,389 people were trampled to death and roughly 1,300 were injured. So, I mean, like, imagine being at, I don't know, Coachella or La Lollapalooza and everyone. Or a Chick-fil-A opening. <laughs> sadly. True. That's true. And everyone just runs one direction at once because they're out of pretzels <laughs> yeah this is a squishy squishy arena that we're running on here man but not want to cancel a good party over a few dead bodies the party continued its plans elsewhere on the field because it was big and a lot of people on that end of the field had no idea of this tragedy of monstrous proportions that had happened on the other end and the emperor and the empress though because they're so nice they made an appearance in front of the crowd on the balcony of the czar's pavilion in the middle of the field about 2 p.m. That was about the time that the traces of the dead bodies had been mopped up. So that's nice. Though the next day, the emperor and his new bride visited hospital victims of the stampede. Gee, Igor, sorry your mom got trampled. Toads get well soon. <laughs> I mean, seriously, though, like to be known in history as a guy that was for the peasantry, and yet something like this happens... On like imagine on uh I mean I'm not no no politics aside the president of the United States uh election day or, uh, not, uh inauguration day yeah um whosoever inauguration it is you know there's all those people there if thirteen hundred people died I think the the festivities end right one would hope so well one yeah yeah good point <laughs> of course this is you know turn of century Russia that was just like a Tuesday over there <laughs> you know what point. I mean like. When if you get above the fifty percent mark on your kids living, it's a win. It's yeah. a it's a different time. It's oh, a different man. time. There's going to be some rooms opening up in the boarding houses. <laughs> uh, yay! <laughs> One other note on Nicholas II. He was uh uh, uh. that's Nicholas Dose. Oh, okay. We're going to call him that now. Uh, he was a blatant, blatant anti-Semite. As we all know, there's a revolution on the horizon in the early twentieth century. And when old Nick would reference these revolutionaries that were, you know, kind of getting it brewing, he basically just stamped them all as either A, university students, or B, Jewish plotters. Oh, man. Who wants a Jew or an educated fuck? Man. Shit. Uh, Nicholas, at minimum, was indirectly... This is... I found this... Do you ever wonder if people just take sound bites and put them together and it just makes us sound like horrible people? No, I wonder if you do that about me. <laughs> My name is John Goforth, and I hate... Jews and women. I love children sexually. <laughs> Why is he talking like that? You heard he's been sick. <laughs> That's why it sounds like it comes from different audio sources. Yeah. <laughs> now, this, this was really interesting, especially um, if you think back to when we talked about Bill Cooper and other times we mentioned this. 
Nicholas, at minimum, was indirectly responsible for the Protocols of the Elders of Zion. Oh, what a fun time reading. I hope you read them to your children. Uh, if, you don't, if you don't remember, the, that's the anti-Jewish hoax mm-hmm. uh, produced and distributed by the agents of the Russian uh, Okorana, if I'm saying that correctly. I'm probably not. Uh, but uh, they are essentially were the Russian secret police. Uh, that, oh, shit. We mentioned the Protocols of Zion there. You know we're going to get hate mail for weeks now, John, literally. And you actually are going to have to just to to tell people why. No, they are actually bad. Here's why. See this part here? That's actually called evil. <laughs> it's true. But, and we get it every time. The re- every time we talk about it, we these conversations happen and, and people are like, no, 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 no. The protocols of Zion weren't that bad. Yeah, they were. They were. They were kids. Put them away. And and by the way, Bill Cooper was bad too. Yeah, he yeah. just he was a bad dude. He was All a right. bad dude. Anyway. All right, we are exhausted. But you know who was more exhausted? Nicholas II's hemophilia kid. Yeah, that's sad. that's how you do a transition, Brent. Yeah. Uh, if he and his wife only knew a good mystic and faith healer with a giant lap rocket. <sighs> that's next on Hysteria Fifty One. <laughs> Back to our hero, old Pooty. We got to get off these Romanovs for a minute. I'm going to talk Pooty a little bit here. When we last left him, Rasputin had... Rasputin, please. I'm I'm trying to make it good for everyone. I'm just changing it up. Old Razzle Dazzle had (laughs) made his way into some fairly highfalutin circles, one might say. And he first met the Tsar in November of 1905. And, of course... As every other line in this fucking story is disputed as to when they started thinking of him as a faith healer. But the basic story is what we're about to tell you. Yeah. So the Imperial couple had been trying for a while to have a son. Uh, that's what you do when you're a failing autocrat. Fuck a daughter. <laughs> Shit. Throw her in the lake. Let's try again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anywho. Quotes. Well, she's a witch. <laughs> <laughs> Saw a meme the other day. Uh, what do you call apples that float? Witches. <laughs> I don't know why it was so funny. I think it was in Hysteria Nation. It's great. It actually is really funny. Sorry. Sorry. Anyway, uh, Nicholas and his wife had four daughters, so they needed a son. Uh, and the natives are getting restless. Uh, mm. But then, finally, in 1904, they have a son, Alexei. And and one thing they leave out in the official announcement is that Alexei is a hemophiliac. Uh, it, Which means he can talk to ghosts. That's not true. Uh, hemophilia is a hereditary disease that prevents blood from clotting properly, which at the time was completely untreatable yeah, and usually actually, led to an untimely death. It was bad news, yeah. I mean, you get a bruise in, in, on your arm and you could die. Right. So sometime in 1905 or 1906... Old Pooty starts skulking around Alexi and seems to make the kid better like every time he's around. And it isn't weird that they believed him to be responsible for it because, A, this is the early 20th century. So remember seance parlors and things like that. They had already consulted numerous mystics, charlatans, and miracle workers. I guess you could call the people that they were talking to. And B, the kid really did miraculously recover more than once under Rasputin's care. Uh, he was summoned by Alexandra, that's the Tsarina, uh, to pray for Alexei when he had an internal hemorrhage in the spring of 1907. Alexei recovered the next morning. Right. And then five years later, likely this is the most famous example. Alexei was riding in a carriage that hit a bump. It caused a large hematoma on his thigh. And when Alexei appeared close to death, she again, the Empress, sent a telegram to Rasputin, who was back in Siberia at that time asking for him to pray. And Rasputin wrote back quickly, telling her that God had seen your tears and heard your prayers. Do not grieve. The little one will not die. Do not allow the doctors to bother him too much. That's an important line in this. The next morning, Alexei's condition was unchanged, but Alexandria was encouraged by the message and regained some hope that Alexei would survive, and his bleeding stopped the next day. Before we get into how that happened, Mm -hmm. one thing to note, Right around the time that he started healing Alexei, they quit referring to him as Grigori at all. Um, some pe- he became Madonna or Elvis. You know, right? It was either Rasputin or our friend. A lot of times, it was just our friend. 
Um, but yeah, uh, uh, his name his name certainly changed. Now, now back to that that healing that we we've, we've been talking about. To this day, it's it's unclear as to how Alexi appeared to have healed uh, under under Rasputin's care. It's unclear, but there are pretty strong theories as to how it could have. Oh, I wouldn't say they're strong. Number one, and this is the one that he really made them stop doing, and they think this happened. Uh, the thing that the ass that the doctors gave him constantly was aspirin. Oh, he's in pain. Give him aspirin. Well, aspirin is a blood thinner. It's very bad for hemophiliacs. And so, yeah, if you have a problem clotting blood, the last thing you need is a blood thinner. And the one thing the Rasputin always did was made them stop that. That in and of itself could make a a big difference. There's record of him saying, keep doctors away. There's not record of him saying, stop aspirin. The, the The logic jump that we're making is, by keeping doctors away, he was. Oh, I thought aspirin. I read where the, he thought the aspirin was bad. No, he never actually said that. Yes, he did. <laughs> said it to me. <laughs> well, there you have it, folks. Pierre Gilliard, who was the French language tutor for the five Romanov children for thirteen years, actually said Pudi made the doctors stop administering aspirin to Alexei. But he certainly did tell, as as was evidenced by the by your quote earlier, Brent. He certainly did keep the doctors away. Mm. So, so that's that's one possibility. The problem with that is. Just avoiding aspirin was not a cure for hemophilia, no. and most people still died. The second one is that it might have been an inside job, right? Meaning he wasn't actually normally as sick as as perceived. One of Alexi's nurses was in on it and would feed him something we don't know what to start the bleeding, and then she would stop dosing him when Rasputin prayed. Meaning she was she was in cahoots with Rasputin, right? Right. Another possibility: hypnotism. Meaning, um, uh, some people believe that he would hip w- w- between his weird fucking eyes and weird. his voice, and he would hypnotize Alexi into not bleeding, which mm. I think most modern doctors would agree is absolutely possible. <laughs> I know my hypnotist slash dietitian agrees with it, <laughs> slash uh, plumber. Slash oncologist. He went to MIT. Slash podiatrist, right? Right. Yeah. Right. And then the other possibility that has been raised, it was raised by Baroness Sophie Buxhovenen. Uh, She thought that Rasputin employed peasant folk medicine used in Siberian villages to treat internal bleeding in horses. Which is funny because that goes into those things where there could have been these peasant cures or treatments that have unfortunately gotten by the wayside that he was still knew about well that's how he when you laid can, hands on horses especially when you consider the rumors from when he was a child of divinely curing horses there's always talk about well this didn't really affect people there because they had a cure but we don't know what it was because it's gone or, or what uh, the answer is milk thistle milk thistle and ergot <laughs> massive amounts of it I think, you would be hypnotized yeah, into death <laughs> regardless of how he did it or i guess if he did it it certainly made an impression uh after rasputin healed alexi via telegram uh she believed him a true holy man and that god was with him and well from- you gotta understand some this tele the the telegram said bleeding stop <laughs> he just no, but it actually would be bleeding stop stop yeah <laughs> Wait, why is he repeating himself? Yeah. Well, he really, really means it. Um, from then on, she passionately defended Rasputin, and she really got angry with anyone who questioned him. And you know what? I think that uh, as fun as this is, that's where we'll stop our story this week, because we're about to the time where in uh, the World War starts looming. If you're keeping count at home, that's World War Uno. And members of the royal court, as opposed to three, which started last week, right? If you, yeah, I don't know if you got drafted, but I did. <laughs> uh, members of the royal court start to take issue with Pooty's antics, and they murder him like five times, all in one night, or a couple times, you know, different people. Oh, and they cut off his little Grigori too. So I said, we cut off your junk. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, that was Obviously, that was that was the, a golfer. That was the most appropriate drop all show, Seabot. Uh, so John, uh, you know, not a lot of thoughts to give here other than he's an interesting guy that no one really knows the truth about. But uh if you look at pictures of him, and I implore you to do that before next week, I just think they're all true. <laughs> well, you look I, at him, he's a crazy he, looking motherfucker. The the one thing that's definitively true is that stare, those eyes. Yeah. Oh, that's scary. Now uh, all the rumors about him being seven foot tall and fat. He and, was only like, six foot four and skinny. Yeah, yeah. I, actually, was he even 
Was he even six foot four? So it says that he was six foot four online. Uh, I believe I got that from the source of sources, Wikipedia. Oh, okay. All Actually, right. I don't know that that was the, but they said he was six foot four. But at the time, that was probably gigantic. Um, we will, uh, we will, we'll certainly do our uh, Wikipedia research in the in the interim. But the 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 point being that. There's this aura about Rasputin of him being the devil himself, mm-hmm. uh, of just being this power-hungry, um, magical monster uh, that traveled the the hills and uh, and, and vales of of Russia, um, um, fucking and killing and 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 kind of playing the the czars like puppets and and that's just historically inaccurate. He really was some dude who liked to he liked to party and he liked to be with the lady robot. my pootie (laughs) (laughs) yeah so but for real though and he just used uh, influence to be able to do that he really wasn't a monster but people did see that he had sway they thought over the czar which come to find out he probably really didn't but we're gonna get into that a little bit more next week the one thing you could argue is that he took advantage of his position with women meaning they thought that he was the that his dick was the True path to salvation. What you're saying is he took a, advantage of his position with women, and then I was looking for a missionary joke, but I couldn't find hey, it. Hey, you, you dug <laughs> and, you, and you came up. If, uh, but by all accounts, he actually believed that he was offering that salvation, meaning right. he wasn't just doing it to. Uh, uh, to I take am the way, the, the truth, the penis. Something like that. That's that my shoulder tap. Now, the one thing about his his uh, rumored escapades that is pretty well uh, agreed upon by all uh, and by and by actual uh, records, he was a drunk. Now, there were times where he he uh, famously a drunk. There were times where he became a teetotaler, but he could drink and he drank a lot. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk more about that next week. But this was all leading up to uh, um, uh, his denouement. Which which we'll get into uh, we'll get into next week. So don't forget if you want to discuss this before next week, hop on Hysteria Nation. Just go to Facebook.com, search Hysteria Nation, or our regular Facebook page at Facebook.com slash hysteria fifty one pod. Tweet to us at hysteria fifty one pod. Leave us a voicemail, 773-669-7277. If you forget any of these things, you can find us and all our social media, our links, our numbers, everything. Hysteria51.com. And an accurate RSS feed. Yes. And KGRA Radio. KGRA Radio's Mondays, 9, 8 Central. You can find us on there. KGRARadio.com. Listen to our antics on there. Brent, well done playing her today. Thank you, you too. I appreciate it. We both canceled on each other <laughs> for shows because we were feeling under the weather. And uh, yeah, now I'm I'm all... You're not in the bathroom and I'm not green. Yeah, there you go. So with that said, I've been Brent. I've been John. He's been Conspiracy Bot. Stay woke, meat sacks. How Debra whiskey? Who do you think gave it to Guinan? It was terrible. It was just terrible. I'll never get over it as long as I live. That's it for another edition of Hysteria 51. John and Brent will be back next week with yet more of the unexplained, the unexplored, and the unheard of. Oh. If it's unheard of, how will they know about it? Anyway, if you want to suggest a topic, give us your thoughts, or just make fun of Conspiracy Bot, that's my favourite, join us in our Facebook discussion group, Hysteria Nation. Just log on to Facebook and search Hysteria Nation, or you can always tweet us at Hysteria51Pod. You've been listening to a fourth-hand joint.